You don't believe me? I don't. All right, welcome back to Blair and Barker. We're discussing all things Pittsburgh. Mr. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I just heard. Mm. Then I realized Ben's, Ben's there. there. Uh, Mr. Barker made his debut, his debut on uh, Peacock, dressed like a peacock. Mm. Y'all dress up. That's good. That's that's about the best I got to offer, Jeff. And that's about uh, as good as this gonna get, right there. It was fun. It looked like you had fun. Like I said, I, I watched I watched fun. an inning in a bit because I was busy doing stuff. But it looked like you had fun. I did have fun. Still an ungodly hour to start a baseball game. Not for it? me talking about them. I don't. I don't Jesus. I don't care what time they play if I'm talking about it. now if I'm playing in it. Yeah, it's it's not now. The only thing that saved it was humid. Yeah, which is not. But the sun wasn't out, and right. you know it wasn't hot. It was a little. <laughs> I think it was sprinkling a little bit throughout the game, which helps that early time. But if it was hot, like those Paul Tucky games when it's a 475 degrees, and you're trying to go out there and act like you care. <laughs> There's yeah. all those screaming I mean, little brats in oh, the I don't stands. Mind, I don't mind that, but it's the that you act you have to act like you care that you're going to catch a ground ball or. This um, is 10:45 games, Jeff. I got a uh, yeah. That, I remember telling me about that. I've got a pair of tickets to give away to see the Rays and Jays down at the Rogers Center Monday, September 12th. You know you're going to want to go to this game, Rays and Jays. No question. All sorts of playoff implications. Let's bring in Ben Wagner, our Blue Jays play-by-play voice. On Sportsnet, Ben, I don't want to. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ask you to uh, to bury the Orioles, but we uh, we spent the past couple of weeks talking about how important it is that the Blue Jays render those final three games of the year in Baltimore meaningless, right? Just a, a, a it's a way of getting your pitching lined up. Maybe get some guys some fine tuning. Get some of your regulars a rest. Get guys who want at bats. Extra at bats. It would be lovely to turn those final three games into Balt in Baltimore into nothing games. They're four and a half up right now in the Orioles. If that's the way it ends, or if that's where they are going into Baltimore, it would almost be mission accomplished. I mean, those two wins, those two wins last night or, or yesterday in the, in the doubleheader, I, I think they were the two biggest wins of the year so far. I really do. It certainly felt like that. And it felt like that during Kevin Barker's debut yes. on Peacock, by the oh, way. Oh, thank you. There you go, buddy. That's you look awesome. good in that three-piece suit, my man. I appreciate man. it. I was telling I Jeff. Saw you, I saw you. There was a strut when you were coming through the press box in Pittsburgh. There's always a strut when well, Barker well, I, through the I press saw box. that. Well, that's all I, I have to that. offer. That's as good as it's going to get. Right you, there. By the way, Barker. <laughs> could, that's it. Or, or, or Ben, if you were a pitcher, could you imagine? I, I just I, I get the impression you must have been a cocky guy barker when you walked Not up really. to the plate like i could see you strutting up to the plate i'm sitting there going who the hell's this hick I'm i think they are right. i think they already knew i was good okay. jeff i didn't have to tell them all right mm. even kevin brown <laughs> well, that's different when you're in the big leagues it's that's yeah. different all right anyhow sorry go ahead yeah uh you know what? i i think that the the pittsburgh series was an interesting one from a, a watching standpoint of like all right you know, the last couple of weeks have been a little clunky. You're going to go in and face a very lowly Pittsburgh Pirates Oof. team. What in the world's going to happen here? Uh, Alec Manoa, obviously, is going to be the star and the biggest talking point of any start that he makes through September. There was a lot going on around Manoa going back, 
people from Morgantown, West right. Virginia, mm-hmm. the battle, the border battle <clears throat> happening. You know, he went on the sidelines. There was a lot of hype going into that series, and specifically game one against Manoa. And then the ripple effects off of that. Big series by Bo Bichette. A couple of other guys, you know, have a really nice series in Pittsburgh. But wins. Wins, wins the way the wins should have come against the Pittsburgh Pirates, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the, the fodder starts Saturday night into Sunday postgame. With Romano and Bass and Ross Stripling, you're like, all right, people are paying attention. It's no more of this, hey, we don't look at the standings. We're just concerned with what we're going about and our business, all that stuff. Eyewash. The Blue Jays know exactly what's going on. The Blue Jays know exactly where they are. The Blue Jays know exactly what September means. And they have turned the page and they have hit the accelerator through September. And Baltimore means a lot. That doubleheader was a tone setter for me. The Blue Jays made no mistake going with a bullpen day on Saturday to line up their pitching on Monday with Kevin Gosman coming back to Baltimore for the first time and pitching against the Orioles and Jose Barrios in the nightcap. And that was exactly what the Blue Jays wanted to do. And make a statement in this series. I, I think they were very important ball games. I still think it's a very important series. I don't think it's I don't think this is a make or break series for the Blue Jays, knowing that they have to play the Orioles now two more series. I put a lot of I put a lot of emphasis on that Tampa Bay Rays series at Rogers Center next week. Absolutely with five games in four days. But I like with I like what the clubhouse felt like I like the energy and a little bit of the moxie coming out of that Pittsburgh series going into Baltimore. Is Brios back for good? I don't know that he's back. I thought he was okay. Yeah. And I thought he was okay, to be honest with mm-hmm. you. Um, I, I The fastball wasn't as lively as what we have seen it when he's been really good. And that's why I can't say, you know, that, oh, I was, you know, thinks that Jose Brios had a really good start or a really solid start. He was just okay for me yesterday. Huh. Well, he I threw did, a ton of change-ups he, yesterday. He did. Well, he can do that now, right? That's the that's the whole point here is a month ago, if this Barrios would have looked like that, he would have went two and a third, given up six runs, but he didn't. He went six plus a bunch of batters and gave him a chance to win. It's like you said, he can throw the change up. He has confidence in himself. I just sort of like when he doesn't have his good stuff now, you don't feel like you're, you know, you, you're turning the channel, you're going to the refrigerator, and you're never turning the channel yeah. back to that game because you know what the outcome's going to be. That's all. The the contact is different with Jose Brios at this point, right? It's yeah. not the loud rifle shots all over the ballpark. Uh, it, it's softer contact. He's facing a lot of batters. He's given up a lot of contact. Uh, you know, it's it, it's a positive sign. It's a continued trend. It, it's it's in the middle of where he was for the first couple of months, right? Where he was either really good or he was really bad. There was no in between. Yesterday was a tweener for me. Mm. Uh. Bo Bichette, I'm just uh, looking at some of his numbers since in his last 27 games. Let's make it the last month. He's hitting 321. His OPS is 962. Uh, his weighted runs created plus is 174. You compare that to 104, the first 105 games, the 260 average. OPS someplace around 7 and change, under 720. Um, is, this, is this the weekend Bo came out to play, Ben? I talked with Bo in Pittsburgh about the first couple of months of the season and getting through the dog days of summer, and I think there's a mental shift 
with Bo Bichette recently. He looks at September as a chance to play with adrenaline, the surge of September that a couple of Blue Jays have talked about, and the urgency. And it's no coincidence for me that that conversation and just hearing Bo talk about September differently and kind of turning the page and moving forward, moving forward to the end goal here where the Blue Jays have themselves positioned. And they know they're a really good team in September. They proved that last year. They love playing with that light at the end of the tunnel. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Drop the hammer. And Bo is, Bo is that. What impressed me about Bo recently is the fact that he is looking and he's attacking. He's certainly attacking. He's always attacking. But he's also looking for the breaking ball in the first pitches. And he was able to jump on him early. He played all fields, which we haven't seen Bo drive the baseball and look at the Pittsburgh series, even with the singles. Game one yesterday with the base hits. And then look at the exclamation point with the home runs. He hit a home run to all three fields yesterday mm-hmm. and that tells me that Bo's going up there with a with a plan first and foremost with a plan and he's he's going to take a next step and that's turn heat around as well he can take heat to the middle of the diamond he can go the opposite way the next step for Bo Bichette and it'll be interesting to watch mm-hmm. see how he's attacked the rest of this series and moving forward in that race series how fastball velocity is pitched to Bo Bichette. Whether they try to get it in and he mm-hmm. can turn it around, that's going to be the next step for me and, and watch Bo really come out in September. And he's hitting third. How about that? He goes all over the lineup, and all of a sudden now he's hitting third back-to-back days. Yeah, you know what? So I asked him about that. How do you take that transition? How do you take moving around? He said it's a lot of confidence. You know, you got to look at yourself in the mirror. There are some points where you have to just take a step back. And do you believe or do they believe in me? Do or do I believe in myself? And he talked about looking in the mirror when we were on the field in Pittsburgh, and I thought that's a great way to just completely shift the paradigm here. Mm-hmm. And if you look in that mirror and be like, all right, what do I have to do differently to get myself back up in the order? That's what I heard coming out of the mouth of Bo Bichette. Just summarize it. And all of a sudden, he has this lightning quick three-game series, and he moves himself back up in the order where he certainly feels comfortable. He certainly feels confident. And I've had people in the organization tell me, you know, there was some frustration about the shuffling in the lineup. But the Blue Jays and John Schneider specifically looked at that lineup, evaluated it. How is this team going to be better today Mm -hmm. with the lineup that I roll out there? And it doesn't matter if guys are comfortable in one situation or another situation. We've got to look at it, how we can win a ballgame today to get this thing rolling. And that was a team-wide decision. That is where the Blue Jays felt that the lineup gets better and they had a better chance to win if they shuffled some guys around. And honestly, if guys didn't like it, they were going to have to prove themselves back into those spots. And Bo gets hot. Guess what? Bo's moving right back up. See, the, the thing I find really intriguing about this, and it's something Kevin's talked about as well, John Schneider can do this because he knows these guys. Helps. It helps, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Like it? It helps. Because, you know, I would imagine that John Schneider and Bo have had some heart-to-hearts over the years with, with him being in the minors with Bo. Yeah, I mean, you know what it's like in the minors. You do. You're, you're mm-hmm. practically the dude's parent for, for a couple of years at least, one of their parents. And I think it makes it easier for a guy like John to do that. 
There's no doubt about it. I mean, you see them at their ultimate peak. You also have to go through the wars, and you see them at their lowest of lows. What's going on professionally? What's going on personally? They're very much invested. You spend more time, especially in the minor leagues, you spend more time with the players in that clubhouse than you do with your entire family over the course of the regular season. Mm. And that's why the line around this time of year is if your team is out of it, well, at least in a couple of weeks we can choose our friends. Right, right. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Because yeah. that's what it is. That's yeah. what it is. You do not have the flexibility sure. in what is required of today's professional athlete to have a lot of free time. You know, guys are rolling into the clubhouse at noon if they need treatment. One o'clock to get their day started. Go through the routines and get loosened up, let alone what is required from an organization standpoint of meetings and evaluations and communication with coaches in the front office. All that stuff happens within the confines of an afternoon. And oh, by the way, then you got to roll the balls out and you got to be ready to play. So your coaches are going to know you Mm -hmm. better than a lot of people as you graduate through the different rungs of the organization. And what Bo Bichette has learned about himself over the last couple of years, John Schneider has been shoulder to shoulder with him. Mm-hmm. Bo told us at the end of the pandemic year that mentally it was more taxing mm-hmm. after the season than he realized going through it. And then he goes through his first 162. And what I'm getting at is John Schneider has been there through many phases of Bo Bichette's life and the other guys. So you're right. He's got a lot of street cred with these guys. Mm-hmm. And he can sit down and he can have a conversation and he has a presence that's a little bit different now onto why things are doing or why things are going to be done the way that the Blue Jays are going to do them. And with that comes the accountability from the player standpoint, but also then the trust that John Schneider is going to put him in the best position to attain an ultimate goal. And they have all won with John Schneider. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the core here. The core, the young core, has all won with John Schneider. And there's a lot of trust in that clubhouse. And and this thing, you know, this thing in September, I really think is going to be the best opportunity for this clubhouse to show and unite and John Schneider really making his mark after kind of getting his sea legs for a couple of weeks. And there was no doubt. There was, you know, there was some shrapnel that still left mm-hmm. to clean up mm-hmm. uh, out of the managerial change, get to the all-star break. Things were a little clunky there for five to ten days. Uh, it, it feels like a much more fluid machine right now with the way the Blue Jays are going. And I love Bo's two-stark approach. He has a chance now, so that's a big deal. Uh, last one before we let you go. Yeah. With the pin the Blue Jays have right now, do you think, your opinion, they can make a deep run in the playoffs using this pin? This pin, I think, because of two people. Two people that have helped the Blue Jays get a deeper pin and make the turnaround and keep it much more consistent. The emergence of Tim Meza getting the sinker back and looking as dominant as he has. And Trevor Richards has been an absolute glowing rainbow for this ball club out of the bullpen over the last four or five weeks. They are trusted arms now Mm -hmm. in this bullpen. And then that ripple effect is, okay, now we can use Adam Simber. Now we can use Anthony Bass. Zach Pop's going to be part of this thing, too, down the stretch Mm -hmm. once he's eligible to come back. And I know just 
because of formality, he had to go back to AAA after being the 29th man yesterday. Then you get Jimmy Garcia, who is going to be electric, and he has found another gear, and then Jordan Romano. Uh, two guys, two guys, if you can continue to get the consistency over the next five, six weeks, this is going to make a bullpen much more stable for the Toronto Blue Jays and alleviate a lot of the question marks because there were some holes. There were definitely some holes, but where the bullpen is right now is as solid as it has been all season long. Yeah, before we let you in, I did want to ask you one question about Mm -hmm. the bullpen, something Kevin and I talked about as well. I love the way John Schneider used that bullpen during the bullpen day, going to Jimmy Garcia in the fifth inning, Mm -hmm. right? Getting that double play, like a big... Going to your eighth inning guy, going to your trusted eighth inning guy who you know is better on rest and who knows he's better on rest and is probably happy that he's found a role in saying, we may need you before the eighth today. Fourth inning, get ready. That's... Yes. That... that, we, we can debate about how man, what impact a manager has in the game, but I still think there are games where bullpen use is tells the tale. And that, to me, was a game... When we look back in this year, if this year goes well, if the Jays not only get to the postseason, but if they win a series or a couple of series, we may look back at that bullpen day in Pittsburgh and say we learned something about John Schneider that Mm -hmm. day. Well, and Jimmy Garcia, right, for accepting that role and and being ready in that moment, too. I love when Jimmy Garcia has two and three days rest because I think the fastball is just, it's got some jump on it. It's got some life. The extra rest doesn't affect him, and I know I've talked about that a lot. And on the broadcast, too, this is where, when I'm talking about pockets of Mm -hmm. a lineup where the Blue Jays examine, that is the exact moment that the Blue Jays identified. It could have come up in that fifth inning, Jeff, or it could have come up in the eighth inning. Jimmy Garcia was going to get that matchup right there and going into the ball game that's an identified pocket of three batters or, or an up down if you will to come in and say this is the best matchup for you if there's a jam here be ready and the blue jays in the bullpen one hear that guys harness it and jimmy garcia with all of his track record you know i mean he could be a guy that could chew on some nails and maybe not be as as happy about trotting in there in the middle of a ball game than he would be as the eighth inning the blue jays have embraced this and this is a really important step for where the blue jays manufacture opportunities within a given game and this is why you see some starters come out a little bit earlier than what you would expect too is because these matchups are coming and jimmy garcia comes in there i thought that was the biggest pitch of the road trip so far him getting that double play ball i really did i thought it was um clearly the turning point in that game because the pirates had some life and then the blue jays come out and just stuffed it with jimmy garcia getting that double play then he comes out and gives him another one, two, three. I mean, it's just, it's great, and it worked perfectly for the Blue Jays. And I think this is where we're talking about gaining momentum and gaining trust. Because even with a modern manager and all the analytics, you still have to push the right buttons and get guys into the right situations when you manage that bullpen. And th- recently, the Blue Jays, just they have not missed a beat doing it. Been really good of you to do this, my friend. Nice. Thanks so much. Look forward to your call tonight. How's the weather looking, by the way? Uh, I, I'm the eternal optimist, Jeff. So the weather looks good in the hour by hour once we get into the later afternoon. There's no batting practice. It's not fun right now. I haven't seen the sun since Pittsburgh, to be honest with you. Um, so things are hopeful on an on-time start at 7 o'clock tonight. Nice. Beautiful. Thanks, Ben. Be well. See you, Ben. See you, guys. Bye. Ben Wagner, voice of the Blue Jays on Sports. So there you go. With an up-to-date weather forecast.
7 o'clock. 7.05 is the first pitch, but tune in at 7 o'clock. Hmm. Hey, we've got tickets to give away. Uh, we've been giving you chances to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here on Blair and Barker, whether you listen on the radio or on the podcast. And as always, all you have to do is text the correct answer to our trivia question. Text it to 590-590. Today's question is to win tickets to see the Rays and the Jays at the Rogers Center on Monday, September 12th. I went through a whole bunch of names and didn't get this one. Mm. I still don't know. The first time the Rays made the World Series was in 2008. What former Blue Jay led the Rays in batting average by a starting position player that season? Again, the first time the Rays made the World Series was in 2008. What former Blue Jay led the Rays in batting average by a starting position player that season? Text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. As always, see rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. That's for tickets to see the Jays and Rays. September 12th, the Rogers Center. Mm -mm. Would not have got this. So you know it? Oh, it's right there in front of you. Of course I can read. Yeah. Oh, but uh, no, I would not have. I would not have guessed this. Fafo, would you have guessed this? I didn't. Did get you get it? it? Yeah, he's lying. Lance, would you have gotten that question? Uh, no. See, Lance is honest. Lance is honest. Fafo's lying. He never got that. Well, I mean, we'll never know. We won't. We won't know. Oh, I've just decided, Mark. I I actually would have gotten it. <laughs> I was just lying. Yeah, I knew it right away. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Look at his face. He's so mad at you. He is mad. He is, man. Now he's going to come and in And he's here. leaving. He's leaving. Don't yeah, leave. He's out. We need you. He's tapped out. <laughs> oh, he's, yeah. He's, yeah. You're number one, Mark. Mm. Um, you get that a lot. I do. Yeah, I do. I do. I do get it a lot. I get a lot at home, too. So I bet. I'm used to it. Man, 37 years. Man. <sighs> I'm kind of disappointed. I should have got that one. Bummer. Can you show me the answer? Huh. I never nah, even, there's no way I'd have got that. I never even think of this dude as being a Blue Jay. No. Not taking anything away from him. Dude. It's just it kind of falls in that category of players who played for the Blue Jays. Sure. Anyhow. Uh, we have got Barker's back leg bits ahead. DMs are open. Lots of questions you can imagine since we haven't been on the air for a couple of days. But uh, we still, you still have time to get them in. My Twitter handle is SN Jeff Blair. Questions for Barker. Thoughts if you want to... Congratulate him and his appearance in Peacock. Several people already did. Somebody wants to know who hooked you up with that. Hey, I, I, I said don't, me. Don't, well, don't worry about it. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, uh, I did ask about the video. Huh? I asked the video that the Orioles was running. Oh, about yeah. About how yeah, good yeah. they are. And yeah. doo, 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 you know, tooting their own horn this year, yeah. the little engine they could. I did ask the manager about that. Are you going to replay that? He said, I don't have to. They already know. Yeah, they've probably already seen it. So I did ask. Uh, you know who will ask about it? Rock Kabatka covers the Orioles for Masson, and uh, we'll ask him about the Orioles hype video. It's a great hype video. I think they have a door to right? create chaos or something. It says on the door or it? something. It says that's good. I like that. Uh, I mean, I mean, oh come on! It's like you're in college football. You know this is where you touch the stone. What I'm was never it? watching what was college it had football to do again. Virginia Tech. Yeah, nice, never. nice job by the Hokies yeah, this weekend. You. Losing to let's see, they lost to Old Dominion. Old Dominion. La, 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 I think la, la, la. the University of Manitoba beat Old Dominion a couple of years ago. La, 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 la. They lost to Old Dominion. Their locker room was burgled, which is hard to do in college football. I don't know what they were stealing. And their coaches got stuck in an elevator. 
at halftime. Stay hot. Like, come on. First of all, walk the steps. Walk the damn steps. So, <laughs> so, so you would walk the steps I'm instead of gonna, taking the elevator. Yeah. You're lying. I walked the That's, steps here instead of taking lie. the elevator. Anyhow. Not true. Tough start to the year well, for the you Hokies. Said, well, Tough start you're, to the year for the You're trying to figure out a way to make an excuse on why you lost. To Old Dominion. There you go. I get locked in an elevator. We have everything stolen. Did they take the footballs? How can you? Because they didn't. How can you? You're lost. How can you lose to a university that has the word "old" in its title? Like what? what Jeff, did I you, can did see you go to college? In, yeah, did a, I can did see. Did your college have a football team? Yeah. Well, who was? Very good football what team. Was that really? Yes, the University of Manitoba Bisons, the only Canadian program to be put in pro- probation. Oh, I know. Well, they had, they had a slight who issue. Who did they play? They. What do you mean? Who did they play? I mean, it's, Tell you a, what. it's a great question by me. Anyhow, it is. At least their coaches don't get stuck. Of course, the stadiums, well, are, so, the stadiums are so small, they don't need elevators. Right. That's not true, actually. They play in a big stadium. Anyhow, enough of that. Are you Are you finished? You feel better? I do feel better. Yeah, I bet you do. Old Dominion. I know. That's tough. It's it hard. sounds like a cigarette brand. It's not good. I If I were running that program, I would fire everybody. Yeah. Everybody. The players would be the coach. Yeah. Lance, Lance, in the second game. Lance Kennedy pointing out the team name is the Monarchs. Yeah. No excuse for it. Anyhow. Rock Abatka joins us next. We've got Barker's back leg bits. You want to bug him about his appearance in Peacock? You want to bug him about the Hokies? Feel free. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fans, Sportsnet 360. Oh, hi, Mom. Wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for giving me some. Oh, I offered you some either. Afraid to stick my hand over there. See <laughs> 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 you eating free cookies, man. That's up. Well, I mean, it was good. Yeah, it was oh, good. Okay, you good. never know when you're. I mean, it could. Well, you didn't breathe for like three minutes. I, I assume it was good. <laughs> you never know. It could be your life. Anything could be your last meal. Yeah. Then I had. Know. Then I had to show you my, the video of my son going to school. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure once they, they reach a certain age, they don't care about you anymore. No, they don't care. I didn't care about me, his mother. They don't care. No, nah, no, nah, we walk them to the steps and then they don't even say they don't, bye. Nah, they, they don't even they, say they, bye. They don't care. They get to a certain age where you're an embarrassment to them. You're almost at, uh, Chase is on, you guys are almost at that point yeah. where you are now nothing more than an embarrassment a, a to your kids. A ride to school. <clears throat> a ride to school. That's, how, that's all I am. Preferably a ride that knows where to drop them off so no one can uh, see it. He wants food, toys. Yeah. But that's all you're good for. You, you've reached that point. And, uh, you saw that. He didn't care about me. It only gets worse. I mean, can it get any worse than that? No, it only gets worse. Trust me. At least he, you know, at least he. You could he, tell his mother didn't really care. I was the yeah. one who was like, where are you going? Come back. His mother's not going. <laughs> <There's nothing. laughs> God, he's Take a good rinse. <laughs> Party. Anyhow, if your kids are going back to school, we hope it's a. Uh, Wonderful day. We hope it's a smooth transition. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can stop drinking anytime. <laughs> I, I, I hope they care about you. Let's bring in Rock Abatka. <laughs> covers the Orioles for uh, Mass and Rock. Thanks so much for, uh, for joining us today. Uh, we appreciate your time. Um, we appreciate your time as always. So 
Uh, look, you, you've been around the Orioles for a while. This has been a great, you know, a good year for them. They've been in this remarkable run. How do you think they're going to respond to that doubleheader loss? I don't know. I'm still depressed over your intro here with the uh, parenting thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that hit really close to home. It's I got to be honest with you. It's ya. tough, isn't it? I'm, it's hard. I'm, I'm, ba- uh, I'm basically an ATM with legs. That's pretty <laughs> yeah. much all I am. Oh, yeah, we're all like that. We're all like that. <laughs> That's awesome. That sticks. <laughs> and, and, uh, oh, it really does. But, you know, keep your, it keeps you pertinent, though. They, yeah. they do need you. <laughs> and, you know, the uh, and, and it, but it's like the great lie, right? It's the, the great lie is once they get their first credit card, they don't need you anymore. Yeah, that's a lie. <laughs> Yeah, that's a total that, lie. That's a big lie. <laughs> it's still got to be paid off, you know. Exactly. Yeah, the bank of mom and dad never closes. Right? Never closes. But anyway, the Orioles, yes. It's, I mean, every time I try and predict what's going to happen with this team, they go the other way. It's really impossible to get a clear read on them even this late in the season because every, you know, we didn't think they were going to be – relevant in the least i thought they were just going to be more interesting because the prospects would start coming up like rutchman and dl hall and it would have been grayson rodriguez if he hadn't gotten hurt and stowers and guys like that so i thought they'd be more interesting but i certainly didn't think they'd be anywhere near contention and here they are so anytime you count them out you know i thought the, the trip just now to houston and cleveland would bury them they went four and two right. that said this was you know these were arguably the biggest games they played yesterday in the biggest series of the season and they're starting Mike Bauman, and they're starting Keegan Aiken. That is not how you normally would draw it up. Mm-hmm. Anything that could have gone wrong did go. Jordan Lyles is supposed to start game one. He's the big veteran inning leader for them. Arguably one of their most valuable players this year. He's sick. They push him back to game two. He's still sick. And there's Keegan Aiken volunteering to start against a team that usually eats up left-handers, which is why Brandon High didn't want a lefty starting. He ends up using three of them in game two, including Bruce Zimmerman, who had just joined the team. And the last time we saw him start for the Orioles was in Toronto, got crushed and was optioned. So it just, everything went wrong for him. So this would be very easy now to say four and a half games out of the wild card, they're done. And yet it really wouldn't surprise anybody if they are still hanging around in the final weekend of the season, which, oh, by the way, they end up with Toronto because they, they just keep defying the odds and they keep bouncing back and the, they don't lose their confidence. But certainly on paper, it doesn't look good what do you because think? they have this many games left with a really, really good Toronto team. Sure. Besides making the playoffs last month of the season, what do you think the organizational goal is for the Orioles? It's been interesting. It's really been a weird mix, and it's very rare to me to see this where they are going for the playoffs. They freely admit that, yet they were sellers at the deadline. And Michael Elias basically had said a large part of that was because the odds, and they do study them, did not show favorably for making a playoff. Then he realized how that sounded and read, and he flew to te- Texas where they were at the deadline to meet with players and say, hey, look, I'm still all in on the playoffs. I think you can do it. We just also have to look at the big picture, which is why we traded Trey Mancini and, and Jorge Lopez. Uh, so I think it's still this combination of where they're going for the playoffs, but they're also looking at, hey, we're you know trying to keep – you know, pumping talent into the system, that t- talent pipeline that Michael Ice keeps talking about, and still building for And they think they're ready to take off in 2023. And Elias said that, like, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're ready for takeoff. We're going to launch. They're going to spend a lot more in free agency. 
and maybe acquire a big contract that they wouldn't have done in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may be ready to package a few prospects that are blocked at this point to make a bit like they're going to be much more active in free agency. They've been in a long time. They're going to spend more than they have in a long time. So they're excited about 2023. I think that's really the big part of the focus still. And yet, hey, by the way, though, we'd love to make the playoffs this sure. year. So it's really weird that we're not picking a side. They're trying to do both things. Sure. Is there one position on the field that they go, we have to really hone in on that and make that much better going into next year? I feel like one big thing is still the rotation because they've got, you know, John Means will probably won't be ready for opening day. Yeah, Tommy John. So we're assuming at least he won't be ready in whatever, you know, late March and early April. We don't know whether they're picking up Jordan Lyles' option, but either way, I think they need a veteran starter who slots somewhere near at the top of that rotation while they also plan on having the two top pitching prospects in the rotation and Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall. Hall's here now to work in, in relief, but he's going to go back to starting. They love what Kyle Bradish has done his last few starts. He's starting tonight. Dean Kramer has made a huge turnaround. He's part of that Manny Machado trade with the Dodgers. They have all these younger starters are excited about, but that said, they probably still feel like, look, we're going to have to come up with a, a big veteran type. And I'm not talking about a Max Scherzer type, but you remember when Elias was in Houston, even though he wasn't running the show, mm-hmm. they pr- kind of followed that blueprint of the draft and develop or whatever. But then they also went out and, and signed or traded for some big-time mm-hmm. starting pitchers, too, which they haven't done here. So I think they're going to be focusing on what, what a starting pitcher is available and affordable to them even when they're willing to spend more or maybe part with some prospects. I still think it's that rotation that they feel like they need to address. Now, I know it's hugely, hugely, hugely early in his uh, career, but what what type of player does Gunnar Henderson profile as being? And I know he's a top prospect in the game, but give us an idea of, of you know, best-case scenario for him position-wise and, and, and numbers-wise. Yeah, honestly, it's it's putting so much pressure on him, but he could really be a left-handed version of a Manny Machado. And you kind of look at, like, they brought him up, and he's supposed to be a shortstop like Manny was. But remember, Manny came up in 2012 in a pennant race, and he played third base. Mm-hmm. And he came up from double A because they couldn't stand watching another game of Wilson Bediment or Mark Reynolds playing third. So they were like, we don't care how you hit. You've just got to be able to play defense, play third base, and the rest will take care of itself. And he ended up being a plus-plus defender at third even though he preferred short, eventually could move back there. And with Gunner, you know, he may end up being a primary third baseman at this point, but they could go ahead and move him back to short at some point. He's played a little bit of second, struggled some there last night, but he's just so athletic and he's so gifted and he has a cannon for an arm and he's definitely going to hit. So I kind of look at him as maybe that left-handed version of a, of a Machado. And because Jorge Mateo has been so good at short, and he was a former top 100 prospect in like three different organizations, he may break camp next year as the shortstop, even though they've got Henderson and they've got Jordan Westberg, who was a a high round draft pick who they really like and can play short. He may get pushed to another position. So he could end up, Gunner could end up being the third baseman, at least earlier in his career. And it just kind of reminds me a lot of Machado. How big has Santander been for this team offensively? Oh, he's been huge. Uh, You know, he leads them in, in, you know, doubles, home runs on base percentage, slugging, pretty much has doubled, I think, his career high in walks. He's finally able to get on base. He's always had a low on-base percentage, and that was a big weakness for him, and he's addressed that. And this is a guy that is a trade ship every year, and I heard there was a ton of interest in him at the deadline this year, and Elias held on to him, whether that was because he just didn't get an offer he liked or because there was also that, hey, we have a shot at the postseason. He's an important part 
of this and maybe we revisit it in the off season. You know, you always listen to offers, but he has really been big for them and as a switch hitter. Uh, and again, a guy that draws a lot of interest and they're so deep at outfield. I'm going to be curious to see what they do there because they've got their first round pick from last year. Colton Kowser just moved up a third level this year to triple a. So it's very likely that he ends up in the majors next season and maybe early next season. Plus Kyle Stowers who's on the roster now made his debut in Toronto and you've got Mullins, you've got Hayes. And you know, so they are really deep at this position. So they may have to go ahead and move somebody to make room. And perhaps that is a Santander, but he's, he's been huge for them as a guy, you know, middle of the order, power from both sides, and finally able to get on base more consistently. Uh, we'll see Kyle Bradish today. He's in the middle of a, what, a 15-, 16-inning scoreless streak right now. What's made the difference for him? Yeah, he's one of the guys. There have been a couple of them on the team that seem to benefit from when they had the time spent on the IL. It seemed like it was a nice reset for them mentally and physically. And he's just been more aggressive throwing strikes, attacking hitters, getting ahead in the count early, things they've always preached, but he's actually been able to do it. He's got a really nice pitch mix, uh, and it's just working for him. And, and other people in the organization have thought that he was at the same kind of level as a, a Rodriguez and a Hall as far as, as prospect status and with their stuff and, and what they were capable of. But he kind of just got overlooked a little bit because of those other guys. He was, you know, I believe it was the, the Dylan Bundy trade that, that Elias made with the Angels that's ended up being big for them. So he was a guy that they were excited about when they got him, and then all these other prospects seemed to be passing him. But uh, they think, you know, they, this is a guy who could be a top-of-the-rotation type starter, or at least certainly slotting in the middle. But, yeah, it's his last two starts, 15 innings, no runs, uh, strikeouts are up. But I just think that time off when he was injured really benefited him a lot. Rock, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Be Thank, well. Thank you. Have hey, fun. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Rock Kabatko covers the Orioles for Masson. 7.05 is the first pitch tonight mm. uh, on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Um, yeah, Kyle Bradish, 15 innings. This is scoreless streak. That, that, that They are they're positioned as, as Rock was talking. I was just going back and looking at uh, at their minor league. And at their minor league system. And one of the things that I think sometimes needs to be talked about is you don't want to block prospects. And one of the things that teams like the Orioles finds out in a situation like this is you get an idea of Gunnar Henderson's going to be good, but they talked about somebody like Kyle Stowers. You're going to find out a little bit about these guys, Mm -hmm. and that allows you to figure out what to do with the guys behind them, the guys who may be coming up behind them. Yeah. So it's as much as, yeah, they're contributing to the to your team winning, you're also getting a sense of what they're about. And as an organization that's poised to go into the player market, it helps to know what you have here in your organization if you're dealing away for something else. Well, it, again, how do you handle September? Now now you're, what are you, you're four back. You're, you have 71 wins to the next team. Four back, in front. four and a half back. Whatever. whatever. Yeah, four and a half back. So it's, how do you handle September? Are you playing younger guys when you can play an older guy who the heart rate's not going to go a little faster in big situations? That's the thing you got to ask yourself. How important is it to you to make the playoffs? And do you realistically think just by making the playoffs, that's going to be a big deal for you to get a free agent in? I'm not sure about that. I think for me, if I'm an offensive player and I'm right-handed, that moving the fence back in left field, I ain't going there. I'm sorry, I ain't. Right-handed pitcher, though. I guess. 
Maybe. Time for Barker's Backleg Bits. Let's do it. Lots of folks talking about your uh, peacock. Good or bad? Good. George Bell's mustache. Oh, I like him. It was so cool to see Bark on Peacock Sunday. He did phenomenal. I was so proud of him. It's a long way from renting cars for me in Syracuse. No question. Remember, he's the guy who used to rent Absolutely. cars in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Now for the bad. As a Syrac- Syracuse alum, I'm happy they beat Louisville on Saturday night. But for the Hokies to lose to uh, ODU, yikes. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. Several I, people are weighing in on that. It's crazy. Yeah. I, 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 I want to say, say that I'm usually not a front runner. But I am now. Patrick, oh, absolutely. Patrick Rutledge wants to know if we can now now, now call the Hokies a cupcake team for uh, FCS schools. Uh, I, would, <clears throat> I would choose not to say that, but you could argue that. Steve O'Uo. Hello, Jeff. Steve O'Uo. That's what it says. It's got to be it. Yeah, it's fake. Anyhow. After watching the Pirates this weekend, is it time for baseball to impose a salary floor? Uh, is, I, I don't know how I feel about. I don't know how Forcing I feel teams about to do that. I'm not sure. Caps either. or floors. Here's the thing. Would that help the Pirates? Here, I'm it, not sure it, if that would or not. Yeah. Yeah. No. Here's here's the thing about salary caps and salary floors. I generally don't like them because you know it is remarkable. I'll look at. I'll look at the. Uh, we'll use the Leafs as an example. Do you think the Leafs are happy? There's a salary cap in the NHL. Why should there be a salary cap? The Leafs raise more revenue than any other team in the league. If they want to go and spend 14 times what everybody else spends on players, go ahead and do it. It doesn't guarantee success. And I just like I, I don't like salary caps, and I don't like salary floors. You know, if you don't. If you don't like what your team isn't doing, then 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 just you know, don't go to the ballpark. And I mean, it's that, it, it's that simple. But you know, salary floors can can have kind of a, a boomerang effect as well. And I'm and I'm going to keep mentioning this. Not so long ago, the Pirates were going to the playoffs. I'm not talking about the last six years, but. Uh, you know, they're not the only team that hasn't made the playoffs for a while. I guess. Seattle's just trying to light. break a playoff hex, and then Seattle spent a lot of money. It's just a light at the end of the tunnel. You just don't see it there. The, it, they're, they're, they're third baseman and they're, uh, they're well, shortstop. They've got bad, they've got bad ownership. They've, they've got Other a, than that. They've got bad ownership. They have bad ownership. You have to want to but, be better and turn the corner, and I'm just not sure they want to. Like, you know, I, that's the thing. I think they are... There are a bunch of teams that try to do what Tampa Bay does, but they don't have smart enough people to do it. That's the way I look. You have at to it. have great scouting, not good scouting. You have to look have at the Orioles. The Orioles oops and, and fell on some guys out of that pen who throw a bazillion miles an hour, who could add and subtract surprises. Well, that a little has a little something yeah. to do with how they, you know, they go about looking at certain guys and can you do certain things to make that guy that much better. Give their scouting department credit, but you got to be really good at that and, yeah, and, and a lot other, of other things. you got to mesh the two together. And I'm, right now, I'm just not sure the Pirates want to do that. The other thing with the salary floor is quite often what you end, what ends up happening is a lot of bad players end up making more money than they should make. No question. Good well players said. still don't want to go there. I, good players still don't want to go there. So I mean, people throw salary cap. Look, the Yankees, how many, how many World Series have the Yankees won in the last 10 years? People mm-hmm. throw out 
salary cap as if it's an answer for everything. And most of those people don't know what they're talking about because they just assume that, oh, a salary cap makes it fair. I ask you a question. Would yeah. it make you more competitive? Not winning, competitive. Like you have a chance in September to win. That's what I think maybe fans of Pittsburgh are like. I, I think, we want a chance. I think we don't pe- want to be. Do they, have, they, have, they don't have 50 wins yet. Yeah, but people Do pe- they? people automatically assume that a, that a salary cap is, addresses every issue, and it doesn't. It doesn't. Mm. Right? And I mean, it, it, it just doesn't. Leasative salary caps have no more balance than baseball does. Everybody do looks not. at baseball. Oh, my God, the Yankees spend so much money. The Yankees, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, they always win the – no, they don't. They don't always win the World Series. Sometimes they don't even go to the World Series. Sometimes none of those three teams are in the World Series. So the idea that everything is – you measure everything by teams' payrolls, dumb. It, it just is. And as I said, it's a convenient answer for for people who don't know what they're talking about when it comes to particular sport. Mm. Put a salary cap in it. Mm. Uh, dee, 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 dee. I just looked at Pirates got 49 wins. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Cardassia Prime. Is it more a boost for a team to win a doubleheader in such crummy weather, or is it more disheartening for a team to lose both games? Personally, I would think it would be more demoralizing to lose an uplifting to win. Is this the end of the O's this, this year? What, Barker, you played in doublehead. Losing to both ends of a doubleheader must stink. I, I Really, I think it depends on part, what part of the season you lose it in. If you're going into September and you think you're a playoff team and you're much better than that team, yeah. Like the Blue Jays feel they're better you know what than must the be Orioles. The worst Plain thing? and simple. We're better than you are. What, That's what they think. What I would think would be the worst thing is to be a team that is not in contention in September – Playing a team that is in contention in, and in I will September, say this, and now you got to play the doubleheader no, because the games count. No, let's not forget too. You moved you moved around your rotation to have your two of your best guys. If you lose it when having your best two guys or two of your best guys, Kurt asked a question about Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Should we be? Should we have any concerns? Yeah, I think so. About the drop off in production, five home I runs think so. is what I, he's talking about. I think about. he's trying to create power now. Uh, I think he five the, home runs. I think the wrist thing. Well, it's the ball away. I've told you this. Not a lot of dudes got power line to line, even to right center. If you're right-handed, why do you think all these pitchers that are right-handed throw all these right-handed hitters away? Because they think they you can't hit like three singles over there or score a bunch of runs. They don't think you can do that, and they don't think you guys one through nine have enough power to go to right center all the time. So I do, yes, but it's what's your expectations of Lourdes? Craig, you Cooper. have to ask yourself what that is. I got to get to Craig Cooper's uh, tweet because. It's, because his on Twitter he describes himself as cleverly disguised as a responsible adult. Um, he was talking about umpires. It annoys me when catchers try to frame a pitch that is way out of the strike zone. Does Kevin think the catcher loses some credibility with the umpires when they do that? And how much of the complaining about umpires is BS when basically we've raised four, we've raised what now three generations of catchers. We've told them how you're supposed to cheat. It, it, you know, I I think the two don't the two is not the same thing. You asked me two different questions there. Right. I, I don't think we we hold umpires accountable enough. Okay. If you stink, come out and say they stunk. We're sending them down because they stink at it. Which say and I, that. I keep I mentioning that just this. like a player. If you don't have enough, hire more. I keep mentioning this. The Premier League in soccer. Mm-hmm. You have a bad game. Uh huh. You're down the next level right. next weekend, and maybe the weekend after that, and maybe the weekend after that. Yeah. And you can't appeal it. You're gone. 
I, for me, I think a good catcher is one that doesn't lose strikes that are in the strike yes. zone, not stealing strikes that are out of the strike zone. Did I say that the right way? That's what I think a good catcher is. Yes, that trickery thing. If I'm an umpire and I'm decent umpire and I see a dude moving a glove that far, as soon as I move it, what's the first thing I think? What, it had to be a ball? Yeah. If it wasn't a ball, you wouldn't be moving I think it as much. We had John, so, yeah. I think we had John Schneider on here before he was the manager. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about that, about pitch framing and all that. And his biggest concern was not costing the pitcher strikes, which sure. was one of the things with Gabriel Moreno that some of the guys Movement complained about. Movement is a big thing. It's, it's how you do it. Do you massage it? Do you roll it? Or is it move? Like I'm moving that thing and he can visibly see you moving it. Or is it just a, it's like that low pitch. That's, that's the one you're trying to steal yeah. is the low one. And you just want to give with it and not stab it. Hey, right? is that music? We should get some, we should get a horn section in here to play us off live. Like Edwin Diaz did. Thought you were going to get Trump us a, a jacket. Nah, I thought about that. Get off your wallet one time. What do you folks think? DM me SN Jeff Blair. I'm thinking of getting a, a jacket for the Blair and Barker Whoever show. Dominates that Whoever show, dominates the show has to wear the song. The, yeah, has to wear the jacket. You know it's going to be me. Show. You just might as well get it fitted to me. Well, we're probably close to the same size for different reasons. Save it. <laughs> you treat it like it's an insult. Enjoy that cookie because that'll be the last one you get from me. Good. There's still some crumbs left. Yeah, you have it. That's it for us today. We'll be back tomorrow at our regular time, 10 to noon. Mr. Barker and myself will be walking you off the ledge and Blue Jays talk today, or we'll be blowing up balloons and celebrating it along with you after the game tonight. Have a great day.